Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hello everyone welcome to the shape of work today as our guest we have Nitin Deer who is the founder and lead consultant as Incusites hi nitin how are you doing today i'm very well nikita how are you i'm also good thanks for asking so nitin before we begin with our conversation we just want to set a you know base for our listeners can you help us understand about yourself your career journey so far Sure, sure, Nikita, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to come and talk to you. Well, I am a tenured HR professional, have been working in the space of human resource management in various roles for the last almost 24 years, 25 years almost. I started my journey with uh, my MBA in human resources at XLRI. And after that, if you ask me about my career, I can divide it broadly into three parts. Okay. The initial few years were spent in very traditional corporate roles within companies. human resources and human resource consulting so i think 10 years of the first 10 years of my career were spent in you know being a line hr manager at itc in a cigarette factory in kolkata followed by working with arthur anderson a consulting firm and subsequent to that with mercer and with capgemini as a hr consultant and in these stints i i lived in india i lived in the middle east in southeast asia in the uk and in 2008 i decided to come back to india after my stint with capgemini and set up my own shop and so that's where the start of my, the second phase of my life professional life began and that was as a, a setting up a, a boutique hr advisory firm where i was deploying my skills as a hr consultant things that i'd learned in the past 10 years in servicing business problems which had their basis in human resources and that's still continuing but in between i've also started a third phase as of the last year and uh, this firm that i've been running in india since 2009 called incubex continues to run and thrive but we've also added another dimension to it we are bringing hr technology into the mix as well so now the third phase of my journey is on where i'm setting up a new hr technology and analytics uh, service line and sub business in india as well as in the middle east so so these are the three phases that i'm in each one is very distinct but i think the common factors which have run through this entire journey are my desire to learn new things create on my own and uh, you know try and achieve something important and valuable for myself and for stakeholders around me thank you so much for sharing that yes definitely learning and growing is a part and parcel of life so all, throughout your three phases what do you think has been the best one for you each one is good in its own way so in fact uh, you know i learned this very early in my career i was i found my first job really boring okay let me start by telling you that okay, okay and I, i used to constantly feel that you know i need to do something more and i was principally a troublemaker okay let me be very <laughs> honest about this so i would find excuses and not uh, and try and avoid work and so on until my employer which was ITC got me counseled by a senior professional and that gentleman told me nitin you're not going to find anything new to do every day you have to create something new for yourself for your work to be meaningful and in some form or manner i have tried to stick with that advice and therefore have had fun in all my different stints obviously if you keep repeating the same thing it gets boring 
goes without saying but the learning doesn't go away and i think if you're creating something of your own independently i think that's always fun for at least for me personally fair enough fair enough so you know when we are talking about uh, work the past the future i have one question for you as we embrace the future of work what are those top talent trends redefining how do you think uh, insights hire and retains talent if we talk about people who get uh, bored out of the work recently or maybe in the past or they do not like monotonous work how do you plan on hiring and retaining talents in such manner so it's a very interesting phase that we are in right now okay this is a phase of transition so there is some concept known as the future of work which everybody says is upon us almost i think there has been substantial disruption in the last few years of traditional models of working so goes without saying the the future is going to be different from what the past is right and some of the characteristics that i find and i you know as as i explore in the market for talent for insights as well as you know work on behalf of our customers sometimes to address talent management issues some of the things that come out is this thing about you know desire to not be engaged in monotonous work but i think an even more important thing that emerges at least to my mind i don't know you correct me if i'm wrong is that a lot of young people are looking for some sense of meaning and purpose what they are doing it's no longer you know that uh, you know uh, that old traditional way of saying that okay i need a job therefore i will do whatever it takes absolutely so if you ask me people are looking for that flexibility they are saying my life is bigger than my job even when i'm spending 8 hours in a, in a place of employment i want it to mean something more than just just the job itself or the transaction of the job so all of these things i think are very valuable because it indicates that the employee base or the talent market is maturing okay these are indicators for me. in insights what we've done and we've done this even before the pandemic before all of this future of work thing used to happen we believe in gig workers for example if you ask me incubex insights is a successful business on account of the gig workers okay now i tell people that you know we were the first ones in so many ways to embrace moms returning back to work okay because there is so much talent in the hr world and a lot of women fall off the career ladder and while many corporates promise flexibility nobody is actually able to give it in totality okay because they have their traditional mindset so we embrace that right so we had like our first gig workers back in the day in 2009 2010 and we continue to thrive on gig workers so even now i would say a larger proportion of my workforce in incubex and insights is made up of people who are working on gigs okay the yeah. second element of it is you know there's a very traditional mindset for employers to have people you know in front of their eyes when they are working you know the desire to uh, say there is a 9 to 6 and it is important in some forms of manner i'm not saying it's not important as a hr practitioner i know the value of that right you want people to to be earning their living okay not you know avoiding work so i understand where the mindset comes from but i think with the way the world is right now with the technology and everything it's very very easy to make that happen without necessarily binding people down to a physical place so for example the other thing that we embrace in incubex and insights is this thing about people working from anywhere so we have team members who work in different parts of the city we, we have formal offices in delhi mumbai and we have one coming up in bangalore and we have one in the uae right but our people are spread across the whole of india if you ask me we have people who are working out of kolkata we have people working out of rachi we have people working out of orissa and so on and so forth they get together when there is a client need there is a requirement there is an expectation that they need to come together they need to be available to meet with team members because otherwise the work doesn't happen right Correct. but where they live is not important and therefore i think it's a very strong message we tend to send out to our people and they embrace that as well we have people for example the most challenging team member that i have right now is currently living in seattle in the us and the time difference is so stark but she wants to she wants to work with us and we really value her contribution so therefore what she is able to do she mostly does at the back end because she finds it difficult to overlap with other teams so to speak but even that is so valuable and i am not 
personally very fussed about it. I like it. Most important element, which I think is a struggle for us from a, from a future of work standpoint and for many employers right now, is the new age skills. Okay, so we are looking for, you know, people who are no longer just, you know, purebred traditional HR practitioners. We are looking for people who need to have a strong numeric ability. They need to have some sort of analytical uh, bent of mind. They need to be tech savvy. And that mix of skill is difficult to find at this point in time. I'm sure that will improve as things go forward. Correct. And as we are moving forward towards innovation and the new age practices, it becomes important to have new things in place. And if you're not ready to give the flexibility, we tend to lose out on good talent as well, right? No, absolutely. So if you ask me, I would want to give people, offer people two things. I won't say I will be able to give, but I would want to offer them the opportunity to create something because that's really valuable for me. So that's what I try and do. Okay, I try and put myself in the shoes of the people who come and work for us saying that, okay, if people want to be engaged in doing something which they would create on their own, right? So a lot of people want to go into startups and so on and so forth. And they become regular jobs. In our case, we are, because we are the type of organization that we are, we are more consultative, more advisory in nature. There is bandwidth for people to sit back and take the time without getting into the hustle to create something, right? So that's something I want to offer to people. I want to offer them the opportunity for learning something, okay? And all the other things besides this are not important. Where you are sitting, what you are wearing, when you come into work, all of those things are secondary, if you ask me. Okay. But if they help somebody feel comfortable, so for example, I would not go to a client meeting ever without being professionally attired. Okay. Because that is a fundamental, it won't get me past the reception of a corporate, right? right. So there the flexibility to do whatever you please doesn't exist. So you may not want to go in flip-flops to a client organization because it sends a message, right? So if you have a doctor, for example, who's got dread and is tattooed and pierced and setting operating on you in flip-flops you may have some concerns in your mind right so it's the same thing with with our profession as well but what you do at home how you're coming into work where it's not important doesn't matter definitely so you know when we're talking about people and uh, the skill set they bring with them alongside in the table what are the some key skills you believe hr professions will need to possess in order to be more relevant in the future okay so it's a great question Nikita, and a lot of people ask me that a lot of uh, young HR professionals ask me do they now need to become techies for example they do ask me that question that you know we know everything there is to know about employment law about talent management practices etc but is there an expectation for us to know tech and my answer to them and that's one one of the skills that I will tell you is very important for HR professionals to have now is to be tech savvy and tech familiar it is no longer possible to not be that I think going forward your relevance in an organization and more importantly your success in an organization will get determined by how familiar you are with the tools that you work. Okay, because a lot of HR is also getting digitized as we go along. So that's one part. The other part is HR has traditionally been a very touchy-feely function. Okay, common sense function. Everybody believes that, you know, common sense decisions are good enough. But I think that world is also shifting. It's shifting towards more predictive decision-making, using more, you know, analysis to decide what to do in different sort of situations. And therefore, HR professionals need to have numeric and analytical capabilities much more than they needed to in the past. So that is an important component. As well. And the last one, which has always been the case, and you know, uh, if you talk to senior HR folks, they will always complain in you know in social gatherings that they don't necessarily get a seat at the CXO table regularly. HR professionals always feel that they are you know undercut in some form or manner. And my message to them is that if you know the business, you will never be under. So business acumen, understanding the business thoroughly, not seeing it only from the lens of HR, but seeing the business holistically, I think is a very important skill for all HR practitioners to have. And all of these are success factors. It's not as if you won't be able to make a career in HR without these but you will not have a spectacular career the way the world is right now unless you acquire these three sort of course competencies correct and now with technology coming in in almost every field
field that we have if we are not tech savvy and rather you find someone who's a, who's very good at what he does or she does but ultimately are technologically handicapped you'll not have that much confidence for them in the coming days right so which is precisely what i'm saying it's not as if you won't have a job but you right. will not be spectacular at the job your environment may look at you differently and so on and so it's a it's a desirable thing to have you know at this point okay. in time as the transition is happening it is not a necessary condition but it will be in the future definitely so you know we have been discussing about uh, remote and hybrid and uh, also from office i know we have already discussed that uh, from office is now kept aside what about remote and hybrid like definitely work from anywhere stay anywhere that definitely works but what about the plans of shifting to hybrid where maybe some days you can also have the minimal human interaction also instead of just sitting in front of the screen what are your opinions around the same so i'll reserve my opinion to the end i'll share some facts with you okay based on what i have seen of clients in the last couple of years okay okay there are pros and cons of both in office working and remote working okay, okay which is by the easiest answer for everyone is to do hybrid okay but what i have seen Okay, and remember this, Nikita. That prior to the pandemic, there were organizations which did not have a work from home policy. Correct. So imagine that was the extremity that we were talking about, and from there we went through the pandemic where everybody was working from home. To now we are coming back to so hopefully some sense of normalcy again. So what I have noticed is that organizations which were very very hard on not having any sort of remote working, they are finding this hybrid model very beneficial. Okay, because their environments, it's almost like you know their environments were claustrophobic, and now they are breathing. So people. by virtue of some flexibility that they have got are actually thriving in it their productivity has gone up and they are able to engage better some organizations which are already on the wagon of flexible working for example the mm-hmm. other thing is also happening okay because they have always been flexible and they have always permitted people to work from home i have a client for example now people have started taking it too lightly okay they decide when to turn up for work when they do not want to turn up for work and that in that organization the productivity is actually dipping okay so their 21 22 numbers are going to be lower than expectation and it's a high performing organization and i think one of the factors is the fact that they have been too easy so the answer does not lie in having a straight jacketed model whether remote hybrid in place it's about having an adaptive model you see what the circumstances are okay on the three fronts on environmental right so for suppose the suppose a new variant emerges tomorrow then we'll have to make changes right <laughs> that is an environmental factor the second factor is an employee factor what is it that your workforce is like will they be able to work productively in a mixed model does it create confusion for them does it make it easy or difficult to start stop some industries it's very easy some industries it may not be so third is what is the overall business impact of this thing taking all these into account be adaptive don't say okay i believe only in remote i believe only in hybrid i believe only in in place working you say okay for different parts of the organization different models can be deployed hybrid is usually the answer okay the answer lies in hybrid but what is the form of that hybrid how do you ensure sustainability because people have also gone crazy by sitting at home right so right. you know my entire period of youth my life was outside my home in the office in the workplace all my friends were in the workplace because we were always work so i think that's a reality of my generation may not necessarily be true of a lot of young people today but you need those social bonds and they actually lead to a lot of value add to yourself rather than sitting at home and work but at the same time suppose you are a mom for example you need to have the flexibility necessarily to be able to spend time or a dad for that matter right now parents are parents if you have parental responsibilities then you need to have that flexibility so therefore i think there's no one size fit all answer to this question correct definitely 
I definitely agree with uh, all the points that you mentioned, especially about the part of someone being a parent. They have to be in the house if the child is maybe just an infant. It doesn't do matter. You? It doesn't matter. And I'm saying it applies both to men and women. Even if the child right. is a toddler, if the child is, you know, five years old, why would you not spend time with your child, for example? You know, and it's a very valuable component. That's why you've had the child, right? So right. I know a lot of my peers, for example, who've not seen their children grow because they've been so busy working. <laughs> Part of the hard reality. Yeah. I think the direction of change is the right direction. Okay. If you ask me. And I feel very optimistic because of that. Definitely. So one more question I have for you, actually, Nitin here. You know, with numerous recruitment technology innovations taking place today, as we zoom in, what is the checklist for successful digital adoption in hiring practices? As we have discussed so much renovation and other focuses, what do you think are the successful digital adoption in hiring? Okay, so here I will give an opinion. Okay, Uh, (laughs) Okay, so I think there are some things which are hygiene requirements. From a technology standpoint, when I say hygiene requirements, what I mean is they are necessary. If you're dealing with a large volume of hiring, for example, an organization should have a very good, you know, ATS, a bedrock applicant tracking system or a bedrock of a recruitment system, which is integrated with external, you know, sites which are sourcing sites for talent and it should be an integrated thing where you can check the efficiency of your process there is consistency of your process all of so this i think is a hygiene condition if organizations which are hiring right now do not have this they should invest the other extreme of this is i believe that there is a lot of innovation happening okay in for example you know augmented reality more immersive type of technologies that are emerging so i would urge a lot of organizations to think about their you know talent attraction part use Using immersive technology, you know, for example, instead of putting up boring job descriptions, and they are boring job descriptions, okay, which very few people read, can you tomorrow have, a, you know, a, like an avatar of an employee talking about what their job is, which somebody will find more engaging to listen to and then explore with an organization? Can you have like a, you know, a hologram of the company CEO available to in an interactive fashion? before somebody joins the company for them to interact with, right? Those sort of innovations and the same with onboarding, when you're onboarding somebody, because, you know, best talent leaves an organization within the first six months when the fitment is not right, right? So all the effort for recruitment goes waste. So attracting talent, integrating them into the company using augmented reality or more immersive technologies, I think is an important new age thing that organizations should explore. The third bit is about assessment. Okay. Okay. Now on candidate selection. There are different sort of things that are happening in the market. A lot of innovation is coming. People are coming up with really funky ideas about how to do assessments and all. So I urge caution to my clients on that. Okay, because assessment is about doing a prediction about whether a candidate is good for you or not without having biases, without bringing, you know, many new nuances into it. So a lot of people, for example, use psychometrics, right? So my advice to customers is always use psychometrics, but use only reliable, validated psychometrics in some form or manner as an assessment instrument. I my advice to customers is instead focus on skill assessment. Okay, have skill assessment using technology, online testing, simulation, which which is a very very strong predictor of job success. So I think if people invest in skill and competency assessment tools, I think it will be a very very useful thing from a hiring standpoint because what it does is that it improves the consistency of your hire. It reduces the time spent by different recruiters and removes judgment biases and so on. And it actually encourages, you know, what organizations want right now, which is more diversity and inclusiveness because people are being assessed only on their skills and competencies required for a job rather than other parameters, rather than saying, okay, this person belongs to, you know, has an accent 
I will not hire this person. Those are biases that come in all the time in the recruitment practices. So I think that good skill and competency assessment is a necessary requirement of now in the future. In the West, it's very popular. I think it needs to come into India as well. We are building, we have a tool and I'm talking about it because I genuinely believe in it. We have our talent assessment tool that we built is exactly based for this particular purpose. So what are the kind of retentions that you generally see if there is a client of yours who's hiring based on these uh, parameters and, uh, you know, tools, if you talk about? So the way we measure success is on two fronts. Okay, we, we measure success of this hire on whether they clear their probation period, right? So that's one hurdle post-hiring, if they stick around whatever the three-month probation, one-month probation, six-month probation, depending on different levels. Sure. The second is we go back to this customer and ask them to give us their first-year performance. Okay, so those two. So the first one indicates whether we are hiring the right sort of person. Okay, the second one indicates whether we did a right prediction of their skills. Right, so both of these are important criteria to measure. Our tool is new, so we haven't reached the second stage yet. We we just launched the tool in the month of August, so we okay. don't have like you know data on whether people have cleared, uh, have had a good performance rating score yet. But we do have uh, close to sixty-five, seventy percent probation confirmation uh, on That's the good. that, which is a very and for and for uh, frontline or younger staff in a market which is very very dynamic right now. It's a reasonably good statistic. Definitely. But I want to ask you, as somebody who represents the future of work, okay, okay. because you are young talent, what is it that you aspire for from an employer or what makes sense for you? What are the drivers that make it, you know, your outlook on your own career and employers and all this world of HR that you are part of now or in the future? I think the most important part is uh, having your own voice because being a young talent, you might not always agree to the traditional method that goes around with all the policies and frameworks that are there. So one very important thing is having your own voice in front of, be it a manager, be it your CEO or in uh, other words, what I can say is having a flat hierarchy where you can keep your words in front of anyone. You are the one who people are listening to. Even if you are young, you're new to the organization. Still, people want to hear. You, you might have some good insights about the things that are going on, right? So that is one very important factor. Apart from that, yes, flexibility is another one where you can actually do what you want, or whatever you're doing. Ultimate goal is you complete your KPIs, you give the company what they are actually wanting and what they have actually recruited you for. So I think, I think these are the two most important things. Apart from that, work-life balance, of course. So, so this is what I would, if, if this podcast sees the light of the day, I will uh, encourage all your listeners to listen more to the young talent because the reality of what you guys need comes from you, not from assumptions that people like me make. So it's, it's very, very useful to have this voice uh, constantly telling all of us as employers, as, as uh, more you know, tenured professionals as to what we need to learn. And I think that's very important because we are, we are, we are cast in a different, uh, different die. <laughs> no, definitely. I think uh, it was great you sharing that and bringing this question at the end also. <laughs> I'm sure uh, people must uh, listen to it and take your advice to see more brighter days in the future. So I think that brings us to the end of our podcast, Nitin. I believe our listeners will definitely learn a lot and must have gauged a lot of good insights from our conversation here. We hope to, you know, record more such podcasts with you. Thanks for having me. Great for your time, Nikita. Lovely, lovely speaking to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Nitin.